0: Rick, we are breaking in. We were done recording, but we are breaking in right now. I have breaking news sent to us by our friend Luis Suarez. WWE has officially announced, as of about an hour ago, as of this recording, Alistair Black unable to compete at TakeOver Brooklyn, NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa to defend the championship against Johnny Gargano last man standing.
1: What wow. do you think? Uh, you know, really upping the ante there. So we have uh, now
0: done unsanctioned. We have done a street fight. We are now doing last man standing. We're, we're, know, we're actually, kind of responding in real time here because
1: I literally just saw this. You know, it, it, we were talking about, you know, when the news broke of the injury. Yeah. How, how are you going to put a twist on this thing to, to reinvent this match uh, to get people you know, even more so invested in the Gargano-Choppa thing that we have seen play out so much. You never want to see an injury, but they are making the best of the situation. Uh, this could be a, a tremendous final chapter uh, to see it happen on a stage such as uh, Brooklyn Takeover.
0: I'm fascinated in the booking of this match and which one of these two guys is going to get put down for a 10 count. I don't know, man. I don't know how this thing goes. I could see either one of these guys walking out, and I guess that's the intrigue. There's going to be a lot of throwbacks to the previous matches
1: here. I, and, you know, also, there's so many directions you could go in this match. The recovery time, he you know, he's not going to be able to totally work that match, obviously, as they pulled him. But Black could probably get involved in this thing in some capacity. Uh, he's going to You're going to think he's going to be wanting retribution over who attacked him. If he even knows by then who this was, or maybe he figures it out there, or maybe we get a twist where he attacks the wrong individual. Uh, a lot could come into play with this one. Uh, they have do- they have definitely done a great job of upping the ante and, and adding much more interest and in getting the fans invested in this program.
0: What do you think? Is this a bigger match than the triple threat would have been? I almost feel more excited for this match than I was for the idea of the triple threat, given the creative going into the triple threat.
1: Uh, I, I do. I, I think this is a bigger match, uh, especially if this is, if we can turn this into truly being a last man standing, you know, one, this is where one stands tall over the other uh, to kind of put this, put this baby to rest. Uh, you know, with, and it just felt like it was being too forced with the triple threat. You know, they, they needed something for Black who had, you know, up until, you know, handing over the title, you know, one of the most disappointing championship runs in NXT history. He was almost just, it was almost like a, a pity, a pity booking, if you will. So there's your breaking news update. Now,
0: on with the show! <laughs> Is your United States of America? It is Friday, August 10th, 2018. You are tuned into Season 2, Episode 32 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, tons of news regarding StarCast, All In, your G1 Climax update, and some red and blue. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at HittingTheMarks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by my tag team partner, the OG of the Huckleberry Club, Huckleberry number one, RBV.
1: Rick, if you get me disqualified in this match, I'm going to be pissed. It's me, it's me, it's that R of the B to the V. Rick Vickery here again, hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Jargo, I was looking for something to kind of take me to that next level as we're getting ready to record here, and I found it. I am coming in hot today, baby. Just got done watching. Well, probably for like the 12th time, just got done watching. Glenn Jacobs, mayor Kane his acceptance speech down in Knox County. Man, he is putting the Dems and the liberals on notice.
0: How many of them did he mindlessly murder in
1: today's uh, show? Hey, it was, uh, he was very professional. You know, he put over uh, the others that ran on the same ticket there in the primaries, but then he switched over and he let, he let the Dems know that those that stand with Mayor Kane, they are going to sweep through the, the state of Tennessee and, and continue our dominance on the national level.
0: And if you do not like Mayor Kane, well, you have an Inferno match player. I like it. Uh, Huckleberry, I guess the place to start this week, uh, number one, we are very light on WWE this week. That was 100% done by design because I didn't watch Raw. And Huckleberry... You watch an abbreviated version of SmackDown, and that's because we have so much other cool stuff going on. I can't be bothered with the red and the blue this week.
1: Hey, I guess this is a perfect segue for a great plug here. We have trouble watching WWE, but in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, keep your ears and your eyes open for my the premiere of my new show on one wrestling video this week in WWE with RBV. So I guess I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna have to really start buckling down, uh, and making sure that you know I'm getting uh, that I'm I'm fully consuming all that is going on within the WWE universe. So you know, right now that's a few weeks away. We're gonna launch that. I think we're go- we're gonna do that probably around the go home to SummerSlam. So it gives me a week or two where I can kind of just k- kind of keep the plug a little pulled on WWE. But hey, but for the for the purpose of the show, we we. We know enough to hit the points, to hit the marks we want to hit.
0: Well, I, I just didn't feel like they did a whole lot this week, and you know, thankfully, we have all-in news, we have Starcast news, we have NXT news, we have New Japan news.
1: Well, you know, you know we're we're going to talk we're going to talk WWE on the other side of the break here, but you know, as a little like a little teaser to you know to keep people tuned in here. You know, a lot of my takes aren't exactly going to be about. What we actually saw in ring, but really how it was presented, the business of the business, is really what drove me crazy this week when it comes to WWE. But like you said, we've got a plethora of other exciting topics to get to before we before we hit that turn for WWE.
0: Well, you know, I'm going to steal uh, Jonathan Coachman's gimmick this week, Rick. This week, I'm going to go with the word of the week. And the word of the week is jaded. I think we have become such jaded wrestling fans that not only are you and I having a hard time watching the WWE products, I'm listening to a lot of people whose opinions I respect very much, and they're talking about All In. Of course, we've now got several matches announced for All In, and I keep hearing this narrative that, well, the card's just not that good. Really? Are you freaking, are you looking at this
1: card? Would you rather be watching Roman Reigns on Monday? Well, I think a lot of of what has to do with that is when I hear that, uh, you know, the card's not that strong. I'm not overly excited about some of the matchups. But then they follow that up with, I think what's setting that tone is a lot of people are just operating under the impression that this is, you know, just a one-off. This is, you know, I, I'll go ahead and use it because in a lot of people's minds, that's just what what it is, it's a novelty show. I was wondering if you were going to say that. Th- that uh, that actually applies here. We can say that here, but and I think that's that's what got has people worried. On the other hand, you know, I kind of am of that. Okay, you know, some of these matches, I, I, I maybe it was just maybe expecting this. I don't know, some more high profile uh, pairings there, but they make sense in the stories that they're telling. And for me, I don't think... I'm not looking at this as a one-off. I'm looking I'm looking at these guys and all of these companies coming together, and this show is really going to do business for everyone going forward. We're going to see storyline develops and, and things kind of peel off from what we see it all in.
0: Of course, we're seeing a lot of that on Being the Elite this past week. I'm, I'm sure at some point we will uh, be talking about the young bucks standing outside of Full Sail University and whether they're trolling us or if that actually means something. But for now... Let's go ahead and let's jump on the road to Starcast. Let's jump on the
1: road to all in, because Huckleberry, we have had quite the week here. We well, had You're talking about, you know, the Bucks kinda of maybe, you know, working. They got that teaser out there, they got that picture at wholesale. Hey, you know some other big news about the Bucks it's kind of being rumored that, you know, it's in a discussion wheel there is that they're potentially, now that we've got this great working relationship with New Japan, Ring of Honor, you know, the group of the independents with All In and Impact Wrestling getting new play, that the Bucks could show up on Impact. And I think we're going to see, we're going to see all those promotions really it truly come together as a unit. And I think that's, and that's what better, you know, what more fitting time than All In. They realize they have to be All In together if they're going to go at the juggernaut that is now looking for global, true global domination.
0: You know, and I keep hearing this narrative too, and, and we've got another one of these stories a little bit later on about, well, you know, if New Japan's going to compete with WWE, if Ring of Honor is going to compete with WWE, who in the fuck says that they have to compete with the WWE? You know, if you like football and I like baseball, we can watch them both. They are two completely different products at this point. They don't have to compete with the WWE. Jersey Mike is on this crazy idea. Well, don't you want to see New Japan and WWE have a war like WCW and the WWE did? Dude, to pull that off, they would have to run their shows at 9 a.m. in Japan. It's not happening. Quit catering to the goddamn Gaijin audience. And boy, do we have one of those stories coming up that I am just going to tear New Japan Pro Wrestling a new asshole for a little bit later in the show. God, just... they. Not everybody has to be the fucking WWE. Just asinine shit. But Huckleberry, we, we, we had a conference call. This past Tuesday, with all of the podcasts that are going to be at Podcast Row, at StarCast, at All In. And Huckleberry, I got to tell you, Twitter is exploding. This thing is going to be bigger than I think any of us could have possibly begin to imagine when we signed up for this damn thing in
1: like April. I'd say, you know, a, a lot of cool information was leaked to us through the the conference call, and now that's starting to, you know, that's hit the Twitterverse. You know, we're, we're finding out where you know where people are going to be able to watch this thing. Hey, there is. No, if this is something you're interested in. There is no excuse to miss this show. I mean, how many platforms is this going to be available on?
0: Well, we now know all of the distribution information for all in all in zero hour, which is going to be the very first hour of all in. This is not a pre-show ladies and gentlemen. This is actually the first hour of the event. It's going to be broadcast on WGN America. 77 million homes throughout the United States. I would also like to point out they are not and will not anytime soon be a member of the Sinclair Broadcast Group family because uh, that deal is dead. And in fact, the Tribune Company has filed a lawsuit today against Sinclair Broadcasting. I expect that we will have a lot more information on that Monday inside of the locker room. As far as the rest of the pay-per-view, you have multiple options now. You can order the show on traditional pay-per-view. You can get the show on Fight TV. You can get the show on Ring of Honor's Honor Club. And you can get the show on New Japan World. If you already subscribe to one or more of those services, guess what? You're already all in from the comfort of your couch.
1: Hey, here's, here's what I want. I want to throw this out there for you. Keep an eye on. There might be something extra in your check this week. Uh, I'm going out there. I was getting you some uh, some sales, man, for, for Sinclair, and I think they should kick that over to you, you know, as a part of this show, as a part of that organization. But a great friend of, of our show here on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast as well over on Mondays in the locker room on the Hami Media Group, uh, Rick Warner, he was asking me, you know, where can I get this, man? And he was like, you know what? He's like, I found it. He's like, I'm just going to put out the 39 40 bucks to get this thing on pay-per-view. I said, hey, man, here's here's a better route get it through honor club. And then that's gonna give you access to all this great ring of honor content. And it's gonna save you quite a few bucks all depending on what package you go with.
0: Now, my question is you and I are both paid for the year. So we get all of the pay-per-views included in our honor club subscription. If you are on the month to month plan, I don't know if you still have to pay like half price for this pay per view, like you do a lot of the other Ring of Honor pay per views. I'm looking for some clarification on that, and I will let you know as soon as I do. But Well, we, I mean,
1: that still saves you, you know, 10, 15 bucks even going that route.
0: Absolutely. The other option that you have is New Japan World, $8.72 a month. What the hell are you waiting for? Get on the bandwagon, join. The new Japan universe. Oh my God. I said new Japan universe. I'm going to puke. I'm becoming a shell. I'm a corporate tool. Kind of like Daniel Bryan. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's take our look at our match for this episode. We're, We're, of course, going through all of the matches on the All In card, one at a time, so we can talk a little bit about them. And, Rick, this match was announced earlier this week. I think this is going to be a fantastic match. Very much looking forward to it. Inside of the women's division, if there's any divisions at All In, we have Madison Rain, Tessa Blanchard, Britt Baker and Chelsea
1: Green were going in a fatal four-way. Hey, you know, uh, I, I took to Twitter on this one. This was a match that I highlighted the other day. It would pretty much what I said out there. I said, just to, you know, to enlighten the sheep. the The evolution has been in effect for a long time, and it's go- and we're going to possibly see the pinnacle here at All In. I tagged all the ladies and got a couple retweets. So a little love for for us here. hyping hyping this match and I'll tell you what uh, you talk about some great talents here Uh, this this is going to be a fun one would you expect that this might be on that zero hour? It very well could be that
0: would not surprise me
1: whatsoever
0: I'm really looking forward to this match because as you were saying this is kind of the women's revolution all encompassed in one match you have one of the women that at least I personally hold responsible for actually sparking this damn women's revolution and I'm talking about Madison Rain. Madison Rain, of course, you've known her for a very long time. She has plenty of Ohio connections. She's been at Shimmer. She's been at TNA, Impact Wrestling, Women of Honor, and now the May Young Classic as well. Of course, we're going to talk about the Mae Young Classic a little bit later as well. Don't worry, Jersey. There's no Jersey Mike segment, but there's plenty of talk about the women on this show today. Then we also have Tessa Blanchard, of course, the daughter of former horseman Tully
1: Blanchard. You don't get much more history than that. Well, and, you know, it just—I know it's not a blood tie, but hey, it, it's part of the family. uh Just you know, that that little extra too. Her stepfather is Magnum T. A.
0: Indeed, of course. Tessa, if you're not familiar with her, you need to get your head out of the sand. Tessa has worked at NXT. She did the Mae Young Classic. She's worked for Stardom. Of course, now she is at Impact Wrestling as one of the cornerstones of the Knockouts division. She's also been doing some work with the Crash Lucha Libre down in Mexico. Then we have Britt Baker, who a lot of people were like, who the hell is Britt Baker? Which I knew immediately because she is the girlfriend of one Mr. Adam Cole, baby! She went uh, to the Monster Factory. She had a match on Raw a couple of uh, in 2016 against Nia Jax. She recently graduated from the Penn State University School of Dental Medicine. She's been around the independent scene, but she's not nearly the name that a lot of these other women are because she was focused on her education rather than chasing her dream. Can't say I blame her at that. Then we have Chelsea Green, which the name may not ring a bell, but as soon as I say Chelsea Green is actually former TNA Knockouts champion Laurel Van Ness, people's ears tend to perk up a little bit. She, of course, also was on the 2015 season of Tough Enough and made her debut this season in lucha underground
1: well and you know also a friend of the platform here uh as this show will be airing saturday on the hameen media group you know she was on uh i I know at least once but maybe twice on the impact attack with big ray and Ben hameen so what do you think man is this is this a good
0: collection of the ladies to kind of show off the women's revolution I think this
1: is a great representation of women's pro wrestling especially you know outside of you know the, the big machine you know this represents Almost everything that you want. I mean, so many different styles and looks in one match here. This is a great showcase for the independent scene in women's wrestling.
0: I also kind of feel like it's the past, the present, and the future. I mean, you have Madison Rain, who is one of the OGs of the women's revolution. Of course, Tessa Blanchard with all of that history. Chelsea Green, kind of now the the present inside of the independent women's wrestling scene. And the future being one Miss Britt Baker.
1: Well, and we also got here, we've, let's see, we've got, uh, you know, also what's interesting is we're going to see, you know, these these ladies here at All In, but right now we've got two of them competing, right, in the May Young Classic. Indeed, because
0: Allison Kay is also competing inside of the May Young Classic. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I think this is going to be a real good showcase for the women. So who, who
1: do you see? What do you see coming out of this thing?
0: You know, I was kind of trying to get a feel of – maybe where we're going in this thing. Have you seen the uh, newest episode of all us as the story of all in as told by Cody and Matt and Nick, uh, your, your girl Madison rain is featured very much. So inside of that video talking about, uh, her career as well as being in the middle of the real women's revolution without realizing that she was in the middle of the women's revolution.
1: Well, and, and you you really look at what, you know, what Madison Rain has been able to do, you know, just, you know, outside of her accomplishments that we see on screen, she is, she's a big player backstage. I mean, she helps with creative. Yep. She works with, you know, all the other ladies and putting these matches together. I, I think, you know, more so than going out here and getting a victory in this match. She's probably going to have a big hand in this entire direction of this match. This, this might be her baby. Yeah, I think Obviously, I think she will be the
0: general call it.
1: So, so just seeing everyone shine is a major accomplishment for her. Uh, I'm gonna say my two favorites in this one. You know, very it's very easily you know maybe to get on the Blanchard train. Uh, she is a dominating force right now. She has the incredible the incredible look as you were talking about the background. But I could see this is a big moment for Britt Baker. You know, she she's kind of she just has that that adorable look about her. She's she's she truly gives you that feel of that girl next door. And I think especially if this thing is if this thing is on zero hour and you've got more eyes on this thing, I think it's kind of a feel good thing. You know, you get that baby out there uh, and it it pulls people in. You know what? I want to keep watching a little more of this thing.
0: That's a good point, man. It would be uh, very interesting. This this would be one hell of a launching pad for Britt Baker's career. That's for sure. And I mean, it's the least that the young bucks could do for Britt Baker. I mean, after all, they did mindlessly murder her boyfriend. That's a real thing, right? The ghost Uh, of Adam Cole?
1: Uh, I think so. Okay.
0: (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm really tired today, and I'm trying to be in a good mood. I Originally, I was thinking this has to be Madison Rain over, and she's going to pin Tessa Blanchard. They're both in Impact Wrestling. You can advance this story inside of Impact Wrestling when one of them eventually captures the knockout's title. Seems to only make sense for business going forward that those two would be involved in the finish.
1: I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Britt getting the pin on on Madison Rain, uh, and then use that going forward where there's more heat built up on Impact because with Madison getting pinned, you know, essentially it was her blunder that cost Blanchard this this big win on such a platform.
0: Either way, I think this story continues over to Impact Wrestling. you
1: agree with that? I I do. I think we're going to see some kind of spillover.
0: Let's uh, go ahead and jump over to the black and yellow because as Rick has dubbed me, I am the motherfucker in the know when it comes to the black and yellow. Rick, Alistair Black is out. Uh, Ryan Satin, as much as I hate putting him over at Pro Wrestling Sheet, he was the first person that I saw break this story. Alistair Black is out of the TakeOver Brooklyn main event, it is now official. Of course, last night, after NXT went off the air, we saw video footage of Alistair Black laid out at Full Sail University, and this thing was masterfully done. But I guess the first question is, how do you feel about WWE kayfading and injury in 2018? I, NXT is so catered to that Smart Mark audience. Literally, everybody who watches NXT knows what's going on with Aleister Black. They're the kind of people that listen to these shows. How do you feel about them kayfabing an injury in 2018?
1: I actually, I love it. Uh, This is one of those things that just says, you know what? It's a reminder that sometimes, you know, as, you know, the positions that we're in, you know, where we follow the news, we're a a little bit on the inside of what's happening, where we are the smart crowd. Uh, Just as one of those times, you know, instead of like, just catering to that and you know breaking that fourth wall and so forth that just drives me kind of crazy when we see it at times this is a reminder of hey this is the way professional wrestling's supposed to be we're gonna we're gonna force you into this man we're gonna remind you of the qualities that you used to love about this thing and we're, we're gonna keep telling a story here obviously the number
0: one answer as to who did it It's gotta be it was Rikishi, and he did it for The Rock. Now that we've got that stupid joke out of the way, because every time somebody gets jumped in the parking lot, it's always Rikishi, and he always did it for The Rock. Rick, they set this thing up beautifully. As William Regal is exiting the building, you see Johnny Gargano enter the building. As William Regal is walking over to the laying Alistair Black, you see the entire Undisputed Era in their little party car they're leaving of course there's always the possibility that that psycho killer Tommaso Ciampa finally you know just jumped Alistair outside we've seen him as he mindlessly wanders around full sail which is kind of weird but Ciampa has attacked him in that setting before
1: Rick who done it man I I, you know what I'm gonna get a little crazy here uh you know a lot of times this might just be you know I, I want to dive a little too deep into this thing, but night I, I'm one of those guys. That, when you go to sleep, you have to have like a fan or some kind of noise or can you just, are you just lights out? I sleep with my television on. I have to have the TV on and I, and I really like to have something where I can hear it, but it's not to the point where I, I want to like keep my eyes open. Like I can follow it with just hearing it.
0: See, I do it because fuck the environment.
1: Oh, okay then. See, that's, I, I do that with aerosol cans. I just go out over by the lake. There you uh, go. Just start spraying it towards Canada. Yep, I, I do that it was, with hairspray. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, if I if I'm changing the oil, I just go throw that in the lake. But I, I always watch at night this i the ID channel.
0: Oh yeah, Investigation Discovery. I love that shit. Yeah, I love that
1: channel. So, so to anyone that's not familiar with it, it's pretty much twenty four seven. Who done it? Yeah, and it's all you know, murder cases, you know, different scenarios, and throughout the United States, and you see some international stuff. But and they, and they always say they take you through where you've got all the obvious people, but at the end they hit you with that, that swerve where it comes out of nowhere. You know who the actual perp was. Uh, so I'm going to go after that long winded explanation of ID. Uh, we'll, we'll take some residuals from that as well. Candace, I'm going to put this on Candace. Ooh, I like it. I like that a lot.
0: Um, yeah, side tangent, because I have to tell you this story now. After you bring up Investigation Discovery, I have to tell you this story. So I was once in a nice, happy punk rock band called The Pink Skirt Murder. And, uh, myself and my former singer, David Scanlon, basically what happened, we were sitting around and we got stupid ass shit faced one night and we were watching nothing but Dateline NBC. And, uh, they came across this one hour special about a restaurant in Puerto Rico called the pink skirt. And basically the storyline was a gentleman from North Carolina went down to Puerto Rico, ended up banging the uh, restaurant owner's wife. And the bus boy killed him for the restaurant owner. That was a one hour episode of Dateline NBC. I just told you the whole story, but they turned this into a one hour episode. So they're, they're squeezing in commercial breaks every which way they can just to fill time. Right. And it was always when Dateline NBC returns to the pink skirt murder. And I was like, holy shit, what a great name for a punk band. Right. Right. I I like it. So later on in my life, I have now figured out if you are looking to name your band, all you really need to do is look up a listing of all the Dateline NBC TV episodes. And there are some great freaking band names inside of that list. Trust me on this one. If you're trying to name your dirty ass punk band, just watch Investigation Discovery and look at the titles of the episodes because there is some great stuff in there. I will actually play a Pink Skirt Murder song inside of our musical break. So thank you for indulging me in my ridiculous side tangent. We got drunk and called that restaurant once. It was a very, very bad idea. They did not like us very much at all. So let's talk about the Mae Young classic now that we're talking about the Pink Skirt Murder because that seems like a real good segue. I think that would be a great name uh, for a a women's tag team. The pink skirt murder. Hell, yes. I actually have a pink skirt murder tattoo I'll have to show you when we uh, get up there. It looks like a women's bathroom sign, except for the head is a target, and she's wearing a skirt. Wonderful, wonderful. That's pink. Makes sense. We had a marketing campaign called Chase the Skirt once. That was a lot of fun. That never would have went over in 2018. Let's talk uh, about. Day, man. You guys, we guys would have been in hashtag me too. <laughs> no shit. Let's talk about the May Young classic first round non-spoilers. We're not going to get into spoilers here, um, but I wanted to run down the matches and Rick, you will notice inside of your rundown. Some of these are bolded. Those are matches that I actually wanted to talk to you about. Uh, let's, uh, the listing of matches you have Tegan Knox versus Atara, Rhea Ripley versus MJ Jenkins, Lacey Lane versus Vanessa Craven, Miko Satomura versus Killer Kelly, Diana Perazzo versus Priscilla Kelly, um Zexis versus Ariel Monroe, uh, Mighty Casey Catanzaro versus Rena Gonzalez, Zia Lee versus Karen Q, Nicole Matthews versus Isla Dawn and now let's let's kind of jump into some of these matches I wanted to talk to you about. Mercedes Martinez versus freaking Madison rain
1: in the first round. Coming out swinging with the, uh, with the two vets. That one really surprised me, man. You know, you're looking, you're looking at this first round. I think this one is a, uh, like you said, is a must see. I mean, this is going to be one of the better matches here to get this thing going.
0: Yeah. That really took me by surprise. Um, another match that very much took me by surprise for the exact opposite reason. Caitlin, taking on Kavita Devi Kavita Devi of course is the Indian representative inside of the may young classic this year I thought that she might make it to at least the second if not the third round but she's paired up with Caitlin here Kavita Devi's done in the first round I'm pretty sure right uh, I I'm gonna go the other way here
1: really you really know she is the first uh female right of of Indian descent yep to be competing within you know anywhere in WWE. You really want to? You really want to make an impact there? You know, get that name out there, especially if she isn't going to make. You know, she's still rather fresh and green, correct? Yes, very much so. Okay, so you know, used still get that hype, man. She goes out here and scores a major upset over a former
0: champion. Yeah, that does make a star real quick in India.
1: It, it, yeah, you know, it's a big win for her. Uh, just you know, imagine what we you know what we saw. How they respond to, you know, the YouTube hits. I mean, that, that's going to be a, a huge draw for WWE. I mean, we're talking a couple million hits are going to get off that thing. Uh, because of her It's a little attention on her and then she can quietly, you know, make her exit in the second round. Hiroyo
0: Matsumoto versus Rachel Evers. Uh, this, of course, Rachel Ellering. Don't call her that. Um, I was a little surprised to see this one in the first round as well. I'm going with Evers over Strong. I think.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I this I can't remember. I think maybe Bello brought this up uh, over on one of. It was either, well, either either the locker room or I, I want to say maybe it was on uh, next level his NXT show that you can also find on the, on the Hamin uh, Media Group. You know, it's it is the second hottest NXT show out there.
0: I, I like to think that our shows kind of work in tandem. He does the deep dive. I just kind of give you the play by play of what happened on this. Is NXT. Yeah, you,
1: you kind of get you got kind of get that you got that sprint. Hey, if you got 10, 15 minutes, and you just need to catch up on the episode quick, that's what Jargo's I'm Jargo's got for. you covered. Now, if you got the whole hour, you really want to dive into what's happening and you know really just uh, just. Like I said, you just consume yourself with the storylines and, and the great trip that Fellow takes you on, then that his he's got that perfect show for you. But he had mentioned there, and he would have really loved to have seen uh Evers, who I guess now we all know her that her father was the former manager of the AOP, would really like to see her at some point align with them as their new manager. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that a lot well, as well. Well, I I still think you know there's potential for that. You could get her a little more exposure just to, you know, people become re-familiar with her and then boom.
0: This could be one of those kind of things like with uh, Tessa last year, too. If you recall, Tessa was in the first round of the May Young Classic last year and took a bit of an upset. It's not like she really needs to be inside of the May Young Classic. That's kind of how I feel about Rachel Evers. Yeah, it well, and Matsumoto for that matter.
1: I mean, I mean, the people that are watching this thing know who she is, but do you think it... Why the name change?
0: I think she's just trying to make her own name rather than writing off the legacy. Personally. I mean, when Charlotte first debuted in NXT, she was just Charlotte. They wouldn't let her use the Flair name. They do want them to make their own name. I could absolutely see it kind of from that perspective. Which, in a weird sort of way, could kind of be the reason that cody's just cody
1: well and wwe's freaking dicks and blocked it with the trademark
0: yeah well yeah I, i've heard uh mixed reports on that actually which is kind of interesting um eo sheree versus zia brookside this one kind of took me off guard as well um i don't think there's any chance in hell eo sheree is losing in the first round of the mayon young classic though
1: no i, I agree with you 100 on that uh Ms. Brookside is, side is uh, making an early exit here.
0: Uh, three more matches that I really kind of wanted to jump a little bit deeper into here. Uh, Mia Yim versus Allison K. This is another one of those, really? You're going to match them up against each other in the first round kind of matches? What are you expecting
1: here? Wow. I was going to say, I'm just kind of. Once I'm clicking on here, like to,
0: these two women could have very easily been two of the women in my final four for this tournament.
1: Well, I as I'm kind of, you know, we we're some of these are very interesting first rounds. And you and I have talked about this before. Last year, that first round was was pretty lame. There is that maybe, maybe they realize that. And and now they're, you know, they're thinking, hey, you know, we want to come firing out of the gate here. There is that, uh, that's and, a really then, good point. And then let, you know, just the anticipation and the build, you know, kind of hype if they do have, you know, if you get to that second third round where you got some matchups maybe that, you know, aren't, you know, off the charts as they were last year, but they're still exciting because you're getting deeper into the tournament.
0: Do you suppose there's any chance there's a TNA chant during this match? Wouldn't that be something at the May Young Classic? TNA Um, Which one of these ladies do you think Needs to advance inside of the tournament Because I really feel like both of them Really kind of Were going to use this tournament to make a name For themselves amongst the WWE faithful
1: I I, I don't know If Yim needs it so much I think K Probably needs the exposure a little more
0: You think I mean Wasn't she she was on TV A whole lot more recently than Mia Yim
1: Huh, yeah, I guess you're right,
0: man. It's it's just like a coin flip, man. Man, this is that's a rough one. If you if you're laying down bets on uh, the May Young Classic, let us know how you're going on that one because that's a rough one to call. Uh, Tainera Conti is going to be taking on Jesse Elibon. You'll notice that only Tanera Conti is highlighted on your list, and that's because she's the only one I really wanted to talk about. Uh, Tanera Conti took on Vanessa Bourne on the NXT episode from this week, and that was her qualifying match for the Mae Young Classic. Rick, I kind of want to tie this into Ronda Rousey. Did you have a chance to see the Tanera Conti versus Vanessa Bourne match as of yet? I have not. Okay. When you watch this match, pay attention to Tanera Conti's offense. Tainera Conti was trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when she was eight. She's a certified black belt when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A lot of her moveset is exactly the same as Ronda Rousey's moveset, but it looks a billion percent better because she's trained and she's actually in control of it where Ronda Rousey looks like she's going to freaking murder somebody. And I don't mean that in the good way.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to check out. You know, when you, when you can actually, when you, you have your style, but you are fully developed in how you present it in a professional wrestling light is what you're kind of saying. Correct.
0: Yep. Although um, on the flip side of that equation, Tainara Conti's character is awful. Like she came out and dude, who comes to the ring is a full on heel and halfway through the match is like sitting in the corner crying because she's getting her ass kicked. Literally that happened. Character
1: sucks. Well, that's why she's down there. She, uh, she's learning and growing.
0: I think the main event of the first round of the May young classic, and this is another one of those. I want to go beat my head against the wall because this match is in the first round. In fact, Huckleberry, last week on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, I talked about this as a potential final for the May Young Classic, and they're giving it away in the first round. Ginny is going to take on Tony Storm. This might be the best match in the whole freaking tournament.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. You were talking about that. Two incredible talents uh, that have such great futures. In, in wwe now let me ask you something here i know we're both high on on tony storm uh we see so much upside with her going forward any chance she doesn't need this thing that she uh, takes the loss
0: if tony storm takes the loss here i i don't i i don't know i'm just gonna throw my hands up in the air take all my notes that i have on the may young classic make like craig ferguson just tear them in half and throw them in the air This is ridiculous. I can't believe they are doing this in the first round. If you have not seen their match for the Progress Women's title from just a couple of months ago, please go on YouTube and look that match up because these two ladies are fantastic. Either one would be a fine representative as for winning this whole goddamn thing. Can't believe they're doing this in the first round. Money MacGyver's got to be losing his freaking mind about this. Let's uh, stick with some women's wrestling news because... Like I said, there may not be a Jersey Mike segment this week, but boy, are we heavy on women's wrestling news. Uh, Rick, I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit off air. We've talked about it a little bit on air. We are setting up a partnership with the Women of Wrestling. Wow. Which absolutely blows my mind because I think like my degree of separation from myself and Lakers owner Jeannie Buss is about one now. Which just blows my freaking mind access tv has announced it will be holding the first set of tapings for its new weekly show women of wrestling october 10th and 11th at the belasco theater in los angeles tickets for the tapings currently on sale via ticketmaster seats starting at 25 dollars. rick i am very excited about this show mostly because i get to see a lot more of santana garrett hey that'd be
1: the There we go, and this, you know, this is you know, it just more speaks to you know the boom out there, professional wrestling that, you know, people were they're seeing, even though uh, you know certain places were looking at numbers being down, but they they still you know it is resonating with viewers. It's still up there, uh, you know, amongst you know the most watched shows, and it's something that it's pretty it's pretty easy to to produce and put out there uh, in most cases, unless you're you know going over the top with your production. Uh, pretty pretty exciting going forward here. Uh, and again, anytime that you see you know access involved with this, you got to think that you know Cuban is just getting hungrier for professional wrestling.
0: Yes, and I like it very much. You know, this is going to be the show that finally gets Jersey Mike to get access TV.
1: Well, and here's the other thing. You know, this is this is going to be something with women's wrestling. Really, you know, in this in this boom period, and I'm not just talking about the BS. That is being shoved down our throats on Monday and Tuesday evenings. I'm talking about in the grand scheme of things, in the entire picture around the globe. Uh, you know, it's there's a new focus there. It isn't a boom period. Something like this is going to be interesting. These people that claim that they absolutely love women's wrestling, that it is it, it is right on par with the guys. It can draw people are going to invest in this. This is going to be something that is that could potentially expose those individuals. Are you a true fan of women's wrestling, or are you just a WWE mark? I'm a, good fan. I'm a fan of good
0: wrestling. And if, you, if you've had the opportunity to check out any of WOW as of yet, uh, seasons one through four, now available. Um, one through three, I believe it is, you can find on their YouTube page for free. And uh, Season 4 is on their official website, which, unfortunately, I do not have in front of me right now. But I'm sure you can just Google search Women of Wrestling TV show, and it will show up for you. Uh, Rick, let's uh, talk a little bit more about All In in a weird sort of way. Uh, Rey Mysterio, we have a contract update from the Master of the 619 himself. Uh, Rey Mysterio speaking to his current contract status with WWE. He says, We started off with the Royal Rumble at the beginning of the year in January. There were other, there was another offer on the table to do the greatest Royal Rumble. And between those two events, we've been going back and forth in conversations, trying to work out the right deal. It's still up in the air, nothing secure yet. Of course, we have heard that contract talks have been very, very close, and we were worried that Rey Mysterio would not be at all in. So somebody asked him, will you be at all in? He says, there's a big event coming up. I don't think anyone wants to miss, which is the all in event. That's going to happen September 1st in Chicago. I think that's going to be the one you wish you were there. If you don't have your tickets. So make sure you stay tuned because that's going to be top notch. Rick, something's going down with Rey Mysterio at all in. Any predictions? What in the hell
1: it may be? Well, you know, not really what it's going to be pertaining to Ray himself, uh, but you know, I really like the message that he is sitting there going back to the top of the show when we were talking about some of the naysayers that you know they're acting like they're not impressed with this thing that they're treating it as a one-off, and this is Ray kind of sticking it to you, reconfirming we've got something special planned here, and I think that you know, you know, looking at the track record of the int- individuals involved, you know, we should give them the benefit of a doubt. That there is going to be something that happens at this show that really we're going to be stepping back. You know, when we wake up and we go to the breakfast on September 2nd and we're we're sitting there with all, you know, the the fellow fans, our fellow podcasters, the journalists, all the legends. And we're reflecting on what we saw the night before. I think it's going to be one of those moments that, you know, you and I and everyone in that room to be looking at each other like, man, thankfully we were here for history.
0: And they're not going to beat us over the head by saying it's historic all night. At least I hope not because, oh, my God, that's just – that's really starting to bug me on
1: WWE TV. Well, you know, it is it is about buzzwords, and you do want to get those out there. I, I use them every day in my professional life. It's, it's all about buzzwords.
0: I understand uh, that. But I think somebody saying that it's – this is historic. This is historic makes them sound incredibly insecure because history is – viewed in hindsight if you're telling me right out the gate this is historic you better blow the fucking doors off and wwe does it all the freaking time this is historic this is historic this is they said it about aj styles and samoa joe this week for the first time ever in a wwe ring aj style are you fucking kidding me Shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out of here. You oh, it you. is true. I understand that, but just don't say it because it makes you sound like an insecure fucking idiot. For the first time,
1: bullshit. They've been fighting for 15 fucking years. Fuck you, first time. Hold on, hold on. It, for, it's, they, the way they word it is true. And you got to remember, when they go over the top like that, it's just said, 80, stupidity. 80- 85 to 85% of the people they're, they're marketing it to, they're talking to are fucking idiots that have never seen it before so this is something for them it's you've, just, even got, you've even got people that know that these matches happened in the past that they've had a, a handful of five star classics that these two have been around the world doing this for the better part of a decade that still are blind to you know to that history that they they're aware of it's there but they don't understand how great it was and you know they're just sucking at the WWE because that's all they know to consume. They're just conditioned that way.
0: Well, we'll rant more about this later on in the show. For now, let's throw it over to your G1 Climax
1: update.
0: It has happened. Rick, you got the G1-itis.
1: Dude, I, I when I saw the news here, when I got up to, uh, to start watching some of these matches, I was actually going to, to call... Uh, The local authorities in your town to send someone over to make sure you were okay.
0: (sighs) Yeah, it happened. But the way that it happened, the way that it happened, and the ramifications of what is happening, this is getting a little bit out of control. Let's let's go ahead. Let's jump into night 16 B-block action. I guess let's start at the beginning. Juice Robinson has another... United States champion championship challenger. And his name is Tomohiro Ishii. Huckleberry, this is going to be quite the story for Juice Robinson. If he can actually make it through everybody that has defeated him inside of the G1 climax and defend that United States championship, this could be an
1: entire year long story with Juice. And, you know, a, a great personality. Uh, to be representing this here, because let's talk about, you know, he's he doesn't lack confidence and he lets you know about it. Uh, but, you know, he, he worked through the injury here. He's had some great performances, but that injury's got him a couple times. And this thing hasn't worked out the way he's wanted. So he's going to have to get uh, get back in gear, you know, coming out of this G1 and, and making a run, you know, through Wrestle Kingdom and, and right back to this point next year. Zack
0: Sabre Jr. threatening to become the belt collector over in New Japan Pro Wrestling as he defeats Hiroki Goto, night 16. And then after the match, he grabs Goto's Never open weight Championship. The two exchange a few words before Zack Sabre Jr. throws the belt at Hiroki Goto. What do you think? Zack Sabre Jr. as the Never Openweight Champion. I love this idea.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It's actually... You know, this, this championship is one of those, uh, it's one of those where they've got too many belts and this thing is just kind of there. Uh, I think this would actually, you can put it on, you know, a name like this. It has a little prestige to it, correct? And, and, you know, maybe a little more importance you know, to the fan base.
0: I think the thing that's intriguing here is the entire idea of the never open weight championship is anybody can challenge for it. Right. But the juniors always get left out of it. I have long been advocating for Kushida to get a never openweight championship run because I feel like Kushida could go with heavyweights while never actually leaving the junior division. Zack Sabre Jr., dude, he's a junior. The guy might wrestle in the heavyweight division, but he is clearly a junior. But I mean... You can throw Zack Sabre Jr. in the ring with a guy like Tomohiro Ishii and the match is fantastic. And could you imagine doing like Kushida versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the never open weight title? That would be an insane match.
1: Hey, you know, this, this kind of gets me thinking. You're talking, yeah, we're, we're Sabre Jr. Yeah, he, you know, he's obviously a junior wrestling up here. But hey, we were talking about great stories that we could spin out of all in and how they can, you know, go to the different promotions what if we get something here in new japan where after a, a tremendous showing against okada that marty scroll doesn't start challenging for this damn thing
0: yeah absolutely marty's another one i want to see marty scroll versus Zack saber jr in a new japan ring i mean i've seen the match before and the match is incredible but i just want to see it in a new japan ring can
1: you, can you imagine Zack saber jr versus marty scroll for the first time ever oh. a new Japan ring And here's the thing
0: I'm not even necessarily excited about the action inside of the match I just want to watch the Japanese audience react To what the fuck is going to happen inside the ring I already know the match is fantastic I've seen the fucking match What will the Japanese
1: audience's fan reaction be For the first time ever in a new Japan ring Zack Saber Jr. Marty Sprol.
0: You are fucking ridiculous. Uh, speaking of fucking ridiculous, let's talk about Tamatonga. Tamatonga defeats Kota oh, you're, Ibushi. You're, you're, you're not ready to get there yet, huh? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Tamatonga defeats Kota Ibushi. Well, they, they kind of blend together here, and uh, the way this damn thing went down. So, I hate this. I I absolutely hated this match. There's. And it's, I've reached my level of fucktitude inside of the G1 Climax. I'm sick and tired of fucking switchblade grabbing the referees. I'm sick and tired of fucking low blows. I'm sick and tired of all the fucking brawling on the outside of the ring. I'm sick and tired of Kota Ibushi taking like 15 minutes to set up a moonsault spot that's going to take all of about three seconds. Uh, It's just getting to be too goddamn much because they're doing it legitimately Every single night, so once again, you have Tangaloa gets himself involved here. Bad luck, Fale gets himself involved here. The referee gets knocked out. Everybody beats up on freaking Coda. Tamatonga goes over and pins Coda Ibushi when the referee magically comes back to life at just the right time. I mean, we've only seen this, however, many points Tamatonga has. Divided by two, that's how many times we have seen this finish inside of the G1 Climax. The important part is afterwards, the firing squad goes after Kota Ibushi. Out comes Kenny Omega to make the save. And the firing squad puts down Kenny Omega. And then out waddles that worthless fucking bastard Toru Yano with Kenny Omega basically dead in the ring. Kenny was very, very perturbed by this. He has even taken to Twitter and said, you know, I was fine with all of the shenanigans. I was fine with all of the shit talking. I understand you got to get it out of your system, but now you have ruined my one match a year with Toru Yano. Kenny was really looking forward to this. Toru Yano beats fucking Kenny Omega. It's nauseating. The match sucks. Like Kenny kicked out it too, right? And they do a little bit of a match afterwards. But it was fucking pathetic, dude. This match was god fucking awful. This is everything that I hate about Toru Yano, and everything that Jim Cornette hates about Kenny fucking Omega.
1: Hey, remember that time that Coco Beware pinned Ric Flair back in? Oh, <laughs> yes, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Y- you know, it's pretty much. I, it's really is it one of those things. Yes, you had all these shenanigans. It works in the story that, that they're trying to tell. But it is still one of those things that you should not be as a champion having happened to you.
0: And I hate it inside of the G1 to begin with. That's the thing. I, I It's so goddamn irritating. This, and
1: this is something that, that probably has to have you as a long time and die hard. And I would really love to hear, you know, from you know another great friend of the show, uh, Seth Kennedy, his take on this. You know, he he ride or die. He knows his he knows his New Japan. He knows what's going on there. You know, I, I know he's a little bit removed. I'd like to hear what like Billy Ray thinks about this thing because th- there's a reason you guys are so invested and love this thing. Is because it's a different presentation. It's a different product. But man, they are really, really making that shift to the Western style
0: mm-hmm I got another story about that right after we're done talking about the G1 I'm very unhappy about it.
1: I would also like I, gonna, I, I think I think I know where you're going with that and I just got a, a something hitting in my uh, my inbox here I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to address with you uh, as soon as we're done talking about G1
0: also all you goddamn people who say I never have anything to bad to say about new Japan Pro wrestling circle this show because this this show. Night 16, G1 Climax 2018. This is what I dislike about New Japan Pro Wrestling. With the exception of your main event, Tetsuya Naito defeats Sonata. And Rick, I the important thing here, Naito defeats Sonata. He gets his two points. He is now tied with Kenny Omega. Two points up on Kota Ibushi. But the much bigger story here, Los Ingobernables. Is fine. Sonata and Nato make up after the match. Evil comes out carrying Hiromu's jacket. Bushi comes out. We get the big fist bump that everybody's been waiting for now for 16 nights. LIJ is fine. And there were some very nice words said about Hiromu Takahashi and wishing him well and Evil having his jacket. It was a great moment. And that crowd... Props to them because NATO had him in the freaking palm of his hand in the post-match promo. Probably a four to four and a half star match. Definitely, I expect more out of uh, NATO and Sonata at some point, but you could tell they were holding a little bit back here, too, because eventually this thing is going to explode.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, this is just uh, delaying, you know, what what eventually is going to happen here.
0: Yeah, it's the inevitable. That's for sure. So at this point, Kenny Omega needs to win his match with Kota Ibushi, or he's out. Same thing goes for Kota Ibushi. He has to defeat Kenny Omega, or he's out. And Zack Sabre Jr. has to defeat Tetsuya Naito, or Kota Ibushi is out. For Naito to win, he needs to defeat Zack Sabre Jr., and then hope Omega and Ibushi goes to a draw which is what i have been saying since the beginning of this fucking tournament that would give him 14 points to omegas 13 i had the point total a little bit off but the same end result
1: yeah i, I think uh you, you've been on this thing and if they can actually pull that off it would be i mean what an intriguing story uh that you're that you're telling in the ring you know you're telling it throughout the tournament without all the shenanigans going on surrounding it
0: so now let's talk about this uh, this story, because... Well, oh, hold
1: on, hold on here. I, I just I just got a memo. Uh, this is actually from the offices of New Japan. Uh, and they're not real happy with the way you presented that last segment. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess you, you're probably going to have to censor a bunch of that. Uh, because, you know, this is a Western-based show. This is a Western-based audience. And they're no longer... What's your foul mouth representing their product?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So the the press release came out today. New Japan Wrestling is about to change now. Even if you do not want change, it is coming to a stage or a scale where you have to change. It is a story of moral rather than a story of content of the game. What they are referring to, it is time Harold May is throwing down his fist and saying, we're stopping all this bullshit. There ain't going to be no more flipping the bird. There ain't going to be any more uh, dropping F-bombs. Everything that's fun about New Japan Pro Wrestling, we're doing away with it because we're expanding into the Western audience. Rick, I'm sick and tired of marketing to these dirty fucking gaijin. Leave New Japan Pro Wrestling
1: alone. You you keep up with that foul mouth, man. You're gonna we're gonna have to wash your mouth out with some Mister Sparkle.
0: Harold May is gonna come after me after this one. Hold on, hold on though. What if this is all work? If this is a work, then I love it. If it is a work, I absolutely love it. But we have seen a lot of things throughout this tournament that are clearly catered to the dirty ass Gaijin. And now this, I don't like it. At all, I understand it, but I don't have to like it. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But why? Uh, Why? Why are we marketing so heavily towards the Western
1: audience? I think you know, from their standpoint, if you know, looking inside their marketing department, uh, and and this is probably you know, this is their directive. Then we can discuss if it is the right direction for them. They're, they're looking, you know, as WWE, you know, you're kind of going towards each other and they see how they present themselves and and WWE being more familiar in, you know, in the eyes of a a much larger, larger audience, they're probably afraid that when a huge majority of that, if, you know, if they can get the majority or, you know, a large chunk of that WWE audience's eyes on their product, they want it to be familiar. They want They want, it, they want that, that consumer to feel safe. Uh, you feel welcoming. You're, you're really familiar with your surroundings, and you want to give New Japan a try. Now, the now there, now we can sit and question, and we can go back and forth. Is that the right directive? Uh, is is it that you want to be you you want to be McDonald's, or should you challenge them and and try to you know fill the needs of of a base within their within their audience that isn't getting everything out of the program that they want, if that makes sense.
0: I understand. And, and I, I understand why they're doing it. I know that they are trying to grow the global audience. I know that there are things that the gaijin inside of new Japan pro wrestling exploit sometimes to incredibly great degrees when it comes to particularly the gorillas of destiny, when it comes to language and whatnot, juice is terrible about it as well. I mean, juice can roll a motherfucker up, you know, it's just at what point are you going to start alienating your already existing audience who searched you out as an alternative, you know, it's, this is like ECW becoming WW ECW and the
1: ECW fans fucking hated WW ECW. Well, and what you have to, you know, as if you're new Japan or any company out there, you have to, you have to weigh you know, the, the risk and reward there. Sure. You are going to turn off, uh, you know, you know possibly you know a decent portion of those that's the reason they found you because you were the alternative you were something different you're going to turn some of those people off but in doing so are you can you gain much more by attracting in these people that are familiar with the western style and obviously with by western you know that is dominated by the WWE style Is that going to draw in more? Is the risk versus reward? What is your ROI on this thing for making such a bold movement in a certain direction? Uh, And that's what, you know, that's what obviously to them, they feel that making that move is going to be justifiable if they can pull in some new eyes here.
0: It's an interesting conversation. And I'm not even entirely sure where I necessarily fall on that scale. Because I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, I completely understand it. Looking at it from a fan standpoint, it kind of makes New Japan not as cool as it was before this press release came out. Unless it's a work, in which
1: case they are so much fucking cooler. If it's a work, it's, it's just a stroke of genius. Yeah, you know, it's I mean, great. It's something that they really are looking forward to. it. I'd be more interested and this would be, you know, a great conversation to have with someone like uh, Money MacGyver or, you know, or any of, you know, you know, anyone that lives in that region that really has their finger on the pulse of, you know, not essentially is when we think Western, you know, it's more of, okay, what are, what are the, what is the audience here in the States or in Canada? What are they looking for? If I'm new Japan, I'm more worried about making that first move, you know, into like the, the European regions. You know what? What are they really craving? What do they want? You know, and we're seeing great success over there with other promotions. You know, WWE's getting ready to launch NXT UK. You've got the World of Sport. You, you got Progress. You got so many great indie shows over there. They're bringing in talent left and right. Those fans are hungry. But what style are they really hungry for? And if I'm new Japan, I, I'm thinking you know that's an easier transition to get a handle on that audience and that consumer base. Really, before making this huge jump into North America,
0: it's an interesting conversation. It's going to be very, uh, very telling what happens over the course of this weekend. Do we see Tamatonga, Bad Luck, Fale, Tangaloa? Do we really see them tone down their actions? Do we actually see Harold May make an appearance? How is the audience going to react to Tamatonga and Tangaloa acting differently? It, it's absolutely going to be a story going forward from this point, just to see how the product changes immediately, because this is, this should be something that we notice as we're watching G1 night 17,
1: right? Uh, You know what they, you know, what would be awesome here for new Japan? Uh, They announced the director, a new director of standards and ethics, and it is one, our own Mr. Stevie Richards back with the right to censor. Love
0: it. I love that Stevie Richards t-shirt that says, I win. It's great stuff. So let's go ahead. We'll throw it over to the break. This is going to be the pink skirt murder with our nice, happy song that I wrote for my ex-wife. This is called, P.S. I Hate You. We'll be right back. Found a letter on the table. When I woke up today I figured you had got up first Didn't want to wake me What you had to say Now little did I know After all those I loved Yes, hey. I see you next tuesday you know we, we, we did that just so i could put on the spine of the cd the pink skirt represents cunt true story we were we were pretty hardcore
1: see you next tuesday
0: yeah we were actually a parody of the entire industry most of the other bands around here hated us because all we did was make fun of them good times that's kind of how I feel about the WWE right now, too. All, all I can do is kind of make fun of it,
1: uh, Rick. Wait, I wonder if uh, Mister Mister After would be mad if I just use that, you know, on the new show. I'm going to have around one wrestling video, as I mentioned earlier uh, this week in WWE with RBV. I wonder if he would like get mad if I just signed off with "cunt."
0: <laughs> See, you, See next you next Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So I, I feel like, Rick, you know, going into WrestleMania this year, we were doing the road to paper mania. And we were saying, you know, the card looks really, really good on paper, but the stories are kind of lacking. Well, we now have the sequel to paper mania. Welcome to paper slam. Because on paper, Rick, when I look at these matches, I have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, The Bludgeon Brothers versus New Day, Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins, Carmella versus Becky versus Charlotte, Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz this looks like an amazing show on paper. And then you watch what they're doing to tell these stories and it's just lacking.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's, it is, it really is. Uh, There's they're completely missing, you know, missing the mark there. Before we jump in, you know, to, you know, exactly everything we want to break down from, from WWE programming this week. You know, I, I do want to come in with something positive. My knock against everything that we saw Monday and Tuesday pretty much has nothing to do with the talent. No, not at all. Like, when you look at this card, this
0: card is awesome. There should be some really, really good matches on this card. It's the
1: creative. Even in what they were asked to do this week, I thought, you know, nearly everyone hit it out of the park. The effort from the talent was incredible, uh, nearly across the board. You know, they, they took the uh, the chicken shit that they were handed creatively and to the best of their ability, went out there and made some some chicken salad. The problem here is one, which is very easy to jump on. Yes, is the creative direction, what they are giving these talents to work with. But going even deeper here, the show structure and the marketing behind getting these superstars out there was downright pitiful.
0: Yeah, I very much so agree. So as we confessed at the beginning of the show, we didn't watch this stuff in real time. I barely watched Monday Night Raw. I went through, there was a couple of things I wanted to talk about. So I went through and I watched those segments. But man, even as I was fast forwarding through Monday Night Raw, I didn't want to watch anything. Like It just did not seem like a very good show in the formatting of the show. I mean, we had like five segments worth of Roman
1: Reigns on this show. Yeah, there was a lot of Roman and, you know, kind of how were they? I wasn't while I was watching the show, I didn't like, you know, where he was being placed. But after after the show was over and you look back at it, it made a little sense. uh, But there was a lot of Roman uh, overkill on this program, uh, almost to the point where it's a little obnoxious. Uh, But, you know, but the most effective thing in in pushing this Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar program was the Paul Heyman segment. I mean, he did more in that, what, seven minutes than Roman Reigns has done in weeks of trying to hype this thing.
0: And that's really where I wanted to begin was with Paul Heyman. Some people are calling this the best promo in WWE since the CM Punk pipe bomb. I don't know if I can really argue or not argue with that. It was a very good promo. It's Paul Heyman. I don't know why you don't just expect a very good promo, but Rick, I really, there's not a whole lot to break down. It was what it was. The question is, what does it mean?
1: What I, what I really like there, you know, he's definitely, and he was laying it on. So those seeds of doubt are there. You know, Brock's not taken the phone call, you know, as we saw, you know, last week, You know, Paul Heyman, you know, on his knees, groveling at at the feet of Kurt Angle, uh, you know, let you know, you know, how much that or, you know, he's tried to portray how important that position within WWE is to him. Uh, And essentially, you know, and then what he thought, everything he thought he had were, you know, yes, he is the advocate, but that he thought, you know, he was he was not just standing behind the man, but was on the same level. They were an actual partnership, a team. To have that entire world just fall apart for Paul Heyman, you know th- that's a great story that's going on here. Now, I mean, are they working us? Is this the mastermind Paul Heyman? Uh, is, is he just putting this together for Brock so that they can get one over on Roman here? But I, I really loved in the closing here. You know, we we've got all that doubt. What is going on? That I loved how he put over, you know, the Brock Lesnar we get right now might be the most dangerous version of Brock Lesnar that the world has ever seen and how in the hell is Roman Reigns who couldn't even who couldn't get through Brock up to this point how is he going to handle the beast completely unleashed
0: now my question to you is where did you watch the Paul Heyman promo from did you watch the version that was on Monday night raw or did you watch the extended cut that was on wwe.com
1: Okay, so yeah, my my take from the segment is I was watching live on Raw.
0: Okay, there's an extended cut on WWE.com that I recommend anybody who's hearing this that hasn't seen it, go and check out. There's about another minute worth of footage that for the life of me, I cannot understand why it was cut from Monday Night Raw. They had all this other bullshit on Monday Night Raw, but you couldn't find another 60 seconds for what else transpired on this promo. So after they go off where you got cut, Paul Heyman says, unless, and he stops. And Renee says, no, 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 no. You were gonna say something. What is it you were gonna say? And Paul Heyman stands up and he looks at Renee Young and he takes off his microphone and he looks at Renee Young and he turns around and he walks away.
1: Unless what, Rick? Uh, that's the question, you know. That's that's the seed of doubt that they want to plant in the minds of the fans. Uh I actually you Why know, did WWE, they cut that? Well, here's I, I was just gonna answer that here for you. Uh is in typical WWE fashion, that's probably not the last we've seen of that promo. So they might uh tune in this week. We're gonna rerun this moving interview with Paul Heyman. But we've we got bonus footage that was acquired by WWE.com. And now we're ready to release that here on Monday Night Raw.
0: Well, it's kind of like the Alistair Black thing with TakeOver. Like, it's really cool that they have this footage that they released after the episode of Alistair Black laid out in the parking lot. Why wasn't it on the episode? You can show me like a two and a half minute WWE shop commercial advertising Roman Reigns' bullshit but you can't show me that on NXT TV. Really? Sometimes it just baffles me their business practices. So I guess here's my question, because this is what I judge my Roman reigns on. I agree. It was a good segment. I agree. Paul Heyman cuts one hell of a promo and yes, Paul Heyman lays the seeds of doubt, but did anything in this promo make me want to cheer Roman Reigns?
1: I, you know, I think it's, it was more set up. I don't know if it makes you, it was kind of weird, but they went the direction here. It doesn't necessarily make you want to cheer Roman Reigns. I wonder if, if they're just thinking just by default, if they can get you to hate Brock Lesnar so much. Like I think
0: what they're going for is when we change the title, we want that pop and we don't care that it's to Roman Reigns. We each, yeah. We're
1: just happy that the title is off of Lesnar. It's more about now. Yeah, it's now they've got you conditioned and you hear this across so many different platforms, so many different shows, uh, so many different insiders sharing their takes here that they just want the championship back is, you know, in a regular fashion that we're accustomed to as wrestling fans, where it is present every week, you know, where the champion is on our television screens. He is a may stay there. So it's almost to the point where you're right. It's just about Brock losing so that the championship can be featured more. And, it, and if it just so happens that it's Roman Reigns, that it just so happens that it's Roman Reigns. I'm still not completely sure we're going to get that change because, hey, we've also had some news break this week. I believe it was actually Chris Jericho that was talking about this. It looks like uh, the extension is in the works. Brock Lesnar is not done with WWE.
0: Mm-hmm. Going to be interesting to see what happens here.
1: And, and I... Th- and I see you got this run and run. And I, I spoke to this over, uh, I, you know, I, I sent out a tweet on it. Uh, I, I reposted that over on Facebook and a homie media discussion group and our in our live thread during, uh, you know, each and every week during all of the major professional wrestling shows. Uh, but, yeah, it's in a makeshift match. It takes Roman Reigns 19 minutes to go over Corbin. Thank you very much. I was on this
0: kick leading up to WrestleMania when they were putting Roman Reigns in these insanely long matches, and I was like, "And yet you mean to tell me that he's going to beat Brock Lesnar in like six minutes? Come on, right. I can't buy it. I can't buy." It. And the other thing that I got to thinking about, if we stay on this trajectory, okay, and Roman Reigns becomes the babyface champion of the universe that we're all supposed to love, Roman Reigns. Finally, the beast has been vanquished and Roman's the champion. Then what?
1: It takes him 19 minutes to beat Baron Corbin. Well, you know, that's just more. That is one of the major issues with the creative direction. There is in a 50 50 their eyes are out there saying, oh, dude, we just look? We just made we just elevated Corbin because he, he just went to distance. With, with Roman Reigns, who is our big challenger for Brock Lesnar. And not even that, he went 19 minutes. Roman Reigns needed the assist of, from Finn Balor to close the deal here.
0: I don't understand. And then Finn Balor wasn't Seth Rollins' tag team partner. Well, at, at, which is a we'll, whole nother subject,
1: but... We'll talk. Uh, we're, are we going to talk about that? or I, We can. Okay, see, at first, I was very disappointed. And I was really hoping, and that was just more of a fan of them wanting to go in a different direction to get Balor away from Corbin. That program is doing nothing. Nothing uh, when they at started. All. When it started with the grab, you know, with the dick Kitty jokes, that thing went right down the toilet. Yep. And as you and I have been pushing for it, you know, something that we think people would really be interested in is if you could somehow jumpstart Balor versus McIntyre, and then that leads into the perfect reasoning to reintroduce the demon. Uh, you know, a part of the co- of the uh, Balor character. That he desperately needs right now to to re-jump start you know get him you know refreshing his act he needs that right now that is all but seems to be forgotten going up a, a, against an opponent like mcintyre that's going to be a good reason to bring the demon back and those two would probably go out there and, and tear the house oh, down kill one it. It.
0: they would absolutely
1: kill it so so in that sense you know i was sitting there like man this would be the perfect time have Balor come out here right now My uh, my hopes, my dreams, my heart ripped out of my chest as Michael Cole and I was. It was very. I wonder if they strategically placed this here because it was kind of odd. You know, I think maybe people were expecting like a Balor that that arena probably wanted to pop for that. The fans at home would pop, and Michael Cole. It was right at that moment he reminds you. Balor and Corbin, they had us. They squared off earlier. There now it is set for SummerSlam. That's when that match was made official. That's when it was announced. It was at it was at that moment. As you're sitting there waiting for Summers. Did you to feel stop. like Finn Balor
0: had exerted himself so much in the quote unquote beatdown of Baron Corbin that he couldn't have wrestled two hours later?
1: Well But it makes sense with what they're telling the story with Seth Rollins you know they still are looking for that you know how is he going to overcome these odds so you know it was again they're just trying to hammer home that two-on-one so that when you insert Ambrose into that spot it's much more impactful
0: it's totally so missing did, the mark for me that man.
1: that did make sense I mean it makes sense in the direction that they're going there
0: it kind of reminded me of our friend Paul Arzola and of course uh, it's Today, of course, Thursday is the day that we're recording this. This is Paul's birthday. So happy birthday, Paul. I didn't leave a stupid message on your Facebook wall, but I'm giving you a shout out here on the show. Happy birthday, Paul Arzola. Uh, this kind of reminds me of Sting. You remember when Sting took the championship from Brick Flair and everybody was like, okay, cool. Sting is the babyface champion of the universe but they had no heels for sting to beat after he became champion of the universe. That's kind of where I feel like we're at with Roman reigns. Like, okay, if Roman reigns wins the universal championship and he remains as a babyface, that Vince is going to make him the face of the company. Where in the hell do we go from here? Because it took him 20 minutes to beat Baron Corbin. If you're telling me Monday night raw for the next year is going to be matches like Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal for twenty minutes. Billy Ray Valentine might be right. This might be the worst show on television.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, where are you going to go here? I mean, logically, though, I guess your two your two options would either be a Kevin Owens or a Braun Strowman.
0: I yeah, I guess, but that's like, what maybe a sixty day program? Like what's what's Roman Reigns doing at
1: WrestleMania? Well, I mean that. Uh, then you'd have to start looking at your part timers,
0: and that's sad. When Hulk when Hogan. you got to go down to that Hulk Hogan, Hulk, fuck Hulk you. Hulk Hogan
1: versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan versus Roman Reigns uh, at WrestleMania. Dude, think about this here. I mean, it, what if? What if? And, and this is we constantly talk about this. This comes up all the time because it just makes so much sense. Do the do the turn. Do uh, somehow in this entire thing as you're. As you're sending Brock, you know, to go away for UFC for a little bit uh, until he eventually can come back, do the turn, make obvious, make the guy that truly is the the top baby, the top baby, and that would be Sostrick Braun Strowman. No, Braun Strowman, and then have Roman turn.
0: I don't know, man. And Braun. have him face Braun. I'm or- hearing more and more of that of people that are getting real tired of this Braun Strowman routine. I'm hearing more and more of it amongst the uh, internet wrestling fans. I've been telling you for months, this thing's got an expiration date that people are going to turn on Braun Strowman. And I don't think that what happened this Monday night on raw with him, like doing the whole stage gimmick helped his case whatsoever. Yeah, It's,
1: it's getting kind of cheesy. I and mean, then when you continually do things like that, I mean, like, you know, at extreme rules, the spot where, where Kevin Owens handcuffs him to the rope, and commentary's put it over as the most genius move ever. Who the hell thinks that's going to stop Ron Strowman? The man this pulled
0: down flipped. a scaffold with a grappling hook.
1: Uh, he pulls down sets. He, he flips semis and ambulances. But, you know, handcuffs to the top rope. Can't help you. Yeah, and this is uh, Kevin Owens, uh, so masterful in that segment. Dude, uh, Kevin already.
0: Owens is working his Ass off, and all he's doing is getting murdered. If this doesn't end with him with the briefcase, I would fucking quit.
1: Well, if you think though, if you're not gonna go with Ron with that big cash in on Brock going that route, then the right direction is to give Kevin that case. He's gonna make you know, it's gonna be pure gold him chasing Roman Reigns with that case.
0: Well, And you have a billion outs. There's a million ways you could beat Kevin Owens or beat Braun Strowman inside of this match, even if it's somebody showing up to beat the shit out of Kevin Owens. Because we let's face it, that's basically what happens on Monday Night Raw. You get five segments of Roman Reigns and you can bet your ass somebody is going to be beating the shit out of Kevin Owens. It's almost as reliable as Kurt Hawkins not winning
1: just infuriating
0: let's talk about ronda did rousey
1: you see, uh, hold on did you see it was speaking of kurt hawkins this is pretty entertaining uh the new york mets one of the worst teams in major league baseball oh yeah uh, they're, they're having a wwe night and the guest of honor is kurt hawkins oh
0: my god that is fantastic irony at its finest congratulations andrew bellow well done to your uh new york metropolitans on that one let's talk about ronda rousey Ronda Rousey versus Alicia Fox. And of course, Rick, our big question was, what's the rating going to do? And much like I suspected, it did nothing.
1: This is where, this is what really gets me. And I was talking about my major issues with WWE programming this week. I uh, had nothing really to do, not so much with the talents, uh, but you know, the direction from management and creative uh, and more so the management. How this show was structured was absolutely embarrassing. Uh, this this is a, a great moment for you. This is something, when you actually, you know, you were going on your end here, how they overuse historic and they go over the top with things like that. This is a case where they should have been pounding their chest, one of the proudest moments, and letting you know exactly how big of a deal this is. We are going to give you Rondo, freaking Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet. We're going to give you her on cable television, USA Monday Night Raw This is something you have. You want to be tuned in for. This is something. This is must-see television. You had a week to build this WWE. You weren't doing anything on crossover platforms. This thing was almost became an afterthought after it was announced a week ago. I didn't see it on any other platforms. I didn't see it on ESPN. I didn't see it on Fox. I didn't see uh, or hear radio national radio shows talking about this. Where was the crossover exposure? That falls on WWE marketing. And then inside this show... Up until the third hour, there was three or four just passing mentions that uh, this match was going to happen. No hype, no excitement. I want to give you know, a hat tip to WWE, uh, their production crew here. That video package that they put together to highlight Ronda's run so far through WWE was simply incredible. But they put it on right before the match. Why in the hell was that not opening this show? What they did is take what WWE essentially did here is take a little bit of, you know, the hype that they had with a hey, Rousey's going to wrestle tonight. You know, just that grassroots campaign that they were kind of running on the people that, you know, the, that are tuning in each and every week that we're going to try to hold through this show for that main event. They took that. They took that moment. What could have been something very special, something great for Ronda, something great for the fans, something great for the entire women's evolution and they hoard uh, that out for five Roman Reigns segments.
0: Rating goes down 3%. And, you know, after we talked last week here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, I went out of my way over the course of the weekend. I watched as much USA Network as as I possibly could. Let me tell you, man, I think I have seen every episode of Modern Family like 8 million times. I'm pretty sure I'm getting there with Law & Order SVU. Um, The amount of Law & Order that they run on that channel is ridiculous. Oh my God. And it's all NBC Universal Television. That's really what it comes down to. Chicago PD, Law & Order. This is all stuff that they don't have to pay. This is all syndicate television. So as I'm watching this stuff, you know what I'm looking for over the course of the weekend? Commercials advertising that Ronda Rousey is going to be on Monday Night Raw this week in action. You know how many times I saw that commercial, Rick? Zero. Such- Not once. Once. Not even on the USA network were they running advertising for this thing. I, I don't understand it whatsoever. They think that they can just advertise on social media and that just doesn't work. The rating stayed basically
1: flat. Uh, as I said, you know, they just completely dropped the ball uh, on getting the word out there trying to get some crossover fans invested here. Uh, and then even how they you know, they really present this thing they catered to the people that are already tuning in anyone that was actually was tuning in to see, you know, okay, you know what, how is, how are they presenting her in WWE? How's this thing going to go down? And it was, I I really don't even know how to describe it. The theatrics, just the goofiness on how they were presenting like Fox uh, and how they were presenting bliss. And why, why did we wait until right before that match to do this? Why why weren't we using the first two hours, the first two and a half hours to establish, get people invested also in the evilness of Alexa Bliss? What it means for her to be that champ, what she's accomplished. Uh, And as you're doing it, because that is your bigger picture. That's what you're hoping to sell is Ronda versus her at SummerSlam. But while you're in there, you, you tie in that Foxy, you know, she has been with the company. She is the longest tenured, former champion. You know, and she, and when she needs to, she can turn it on. But no, we're still getting the little ditzy airhead, uh, hearing voices, Alicia Fox. That is just the the annoying character that no one takes serious.
0: The match did a whole lot of nothing for me, and I understand a lot of people. The number one compliment that I'm hearing about Ronda Rousey is, dude, her offense looks so real. Yeah, that's because it is. She was throwing Alicia Fox around like a goddamn rag doll. I was sincerely worried for Alicia Fox. There was one of those moves that Rousey did it so goddamn close to the ropes that it was incredibly dangerous. Just the way that Fox bounced off those ropes. I don't know, man. That's why... when I was watching that Tenera Conti match, she does a lot of the same offense, but she's in control of the offense. And Rousey, she kind of scares me when she's in there with somebody like Alicia Fox.
1: Yeah, and you know what I, you know, if, if we're putting over, you know, the talent doing, you know, a great job. Yeah, I thought Fox did a, did a tremendous job in the match. Oh man, Alicia Fox earned her
0: goddamn paycheck on Monday night. I tell you what, I bet you that girl is black and blue.
1: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, she went out there, she hung in there, she, she made it look good. And that was okay with, kind of, with the match, you know, because it, it, it did introduce a little bit of bliss, you know, that she is dirty, man. You know, and, and they're doing the run around, you know, Ronna never looked totally weak, but it lets you know that there is, you know, there's, there's heat between the parties and all that. But for me, why wait to that, just that moment to do it? You completely completely missed the boat on a, a tremendous opportunity to really establish this program where people were tuning in for this thing, you know, and but just, as I said, there was only a, uh, just a few mentions in passing. It was really hard to get to this moment, sitting through those other uh, two and a half hours of raw to stay awake, just waiting for this moment. But knowing that we were going to sit here and talk it. the entire, the entire internet wrestling community is going to be on this thing that kept me hanging in. Well, it's like we tu- you tune in to see
0: the Ronda Rousey thing, right? Like let's say that you did. If you are a casual fan and you randomly heard, "Oh wow, Ronda Rousey's going to be on Raw tonight. I got to tune in to see that."
1: There ain't no way in hell those that those individuals. You tu-
0: you tune in and you're rewarded with a half an hour of Roman Reigns right off the top of the show. The most disliked babyface in
1: decades. Well, in that again, it it did it did make sense in the story they're trying to tell, because on top of getting you to just want the title off of Brock, to just hate Brock because he hates you, we also, you know, you get Roman in that match, but then he, he was gonna step up and participate in a second match. Uh, participate in a second match. Uh huh. So now but management steps in.
0: Yep. And the other thing that bugged me about the Rousey versus Fox match, all right, as far as the match itself goes, it was what it was. My question is, was it even the right match? Because if, let's say that you're just strictly a UFC fan, you don't watch professional wrestling because you can't stand all the carny bullshit, right? Right. But you've heard from your friends, hey man, Ronda Rousey's in the WWE now. You should check it out. Oh, dude, she's going to be wrestling live Monday on Raw. So let's say the casual fan, uh, the most casual, the UFC casual pro wrestling fan, tunes into Monday Night Raw to see Ronda Rousey. Okay, WWE, you've got my attention for about 10 minutes. Impress me. And that's the match that you give them. I mean, the match itself might have been fine, but was it the right
1: match? I don't, See, I don't think this moment should have been about that match. I think people are, are, too, are too focused on this. This should have been more about getting people more intrigued in in Rousey and Bliss at SummerSlam. That to me is the bigger moment. This is the fluffer. This is getting people to tune in here and then you should drop you should be talking about this match throughout the entire show and then hope as they are tuning in, cause you, you don't want to miss the next segment. You know, we, we're going to have, we got this great promo package. Then we're going to have actually an interview with Rhonda. You're going to get to know about her and her relationship with Natalia. Maybe see them training together to really get you. Oh man, she, she could go pretty well in this ring. Then you introduce, you know, the dynamic with bliss and Foxy and, and you're getting people uh, further and further closer to the edge of that seat where Yes, they're, they're, they're bursting at the seams you know, to see what's going to go down. And then you don't give it away. You don't give anything great away on television. And you set it up. You got that teaser. You're dangling that carrot out there that says, now in two weeks. Then when, when you when you order the WWE Network, which, by the way, that's going to be free for you if you're a first time or if you're going to uh, go another outlet to try to watch this thing, uh, that's when you really want to be here. That's when you're going to get the showcase. And And when you get that showcase – she very well could be walking away as a champion.
0: Yep, I very much agree. I very much also thought that Alexa Bliss was the redeeming quality of this entire segment for me, as far as the psychology and the logic behind this entire segment. Alexa Bliss's facials are great. Now, what a lot of people took away from the closing of Monday Night Raw was that Alexa Bliss was terrified. Rick, I'm smart enough to know that wasn't a look of terror. That was a look of, oh
1: shit, I have to do something. Yeah, it, again, and and people that, that maybe aren't familiar with that, and those are the ones that you're trying to reach, that's the reason you bring Ronda Rousey in. It's not to appease the average marks. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to the average marks that are, are on the Roar Network with, with us through the Uh But your average marks in the audience there, you don't need to be catering to them at this point with Rousey. Rousey is that person that's a crossover superstar for you. You've got the 85% of just the numb-minded WWE marks that are going to be tuning in for Rousey or not. This is your crossover thing here, which in in, in putting Rousey over there, you more so need to put Bliss over. If first time, if you're looking at Alexa Bliss, and you're th- why has she got the chance? This right. bitch is going to get murdered. Exactly. You should have been establishing using Rousey as that flash, but establishing Bliss throughout this show yeah, she, hey, she's small, but there's a reason that they call her Five Feet of Fury.
0: You also should have been showing the video footage from Money in the Bank when Alexa Bliss took out Ronda Rousey.
1: Yes, uh, I think we got, a, it was just a little bit in passing, and I think it was right before the match. We should have been reliving that throughout this entire show. I know I keep I, I keep beating that drum, but this was a huge mistake by WWE, and you get a lot of these marks. Oh, it was so great. So No, that was great for you because, yeah, you're going to be sitting there all night they missed out on bringing new eyes to this product and growing their brand, and and ultimately, this was all like I said. It, you know, sitting back in, in, in retrospect, look at this thing. It was all to to whore. To, they whored that out to expose Roman Reigns more.
0: So here's what I really want to have happen now. I really want Kyrie Sane to beat Shayna Baszler. And I really want Shayna Baszler and the other horsewomen sitting at ringside for this match at SummerSlam since they're all inside the company now. I really want them all sitting there and I really want Shayna Baszler to get involved in this match and cost Ronda Rousey the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Rick, I think that your showcase match for Evolution needs to be Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey.
1: I, I, you know what? I'm I'm actually with you. But let's I, you know what? I this I'm just gonna throw this out here. This this is just a creative pitch because even in my mind, I I know where I'll get attacked from on this thing. I don't want to see Baszler lose that championship. I want her to maybe ultimately be bragging. You know, I did this the right way. You know, they just they they rolled out the red carpet for you. Who the hell do you think you are? I've earned my stripes here in WWE. I'm the only champion in the ho- in the MMA horsewomen. And, and Herbie boasting about that. Maybe an Evolution, you get Ronda versus Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship.
0: I'm all right with that as well. I really want to see Baszler and Alexa Bliss together. I think Baszler's bitch character with Alexa Bliss's sarcasm and the way that she can just denounce people with her tone of voice would be a fantastic dynamic inside of the women's division.
1: It, it would be a, a female version of what we got with the show.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I think about it,
1: kind yeah. of that dynamic you have with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. I think it would work. It would work great together.
0: Yeah, I, personality wise, I absolutely see it. I think it would be good stuff. It costs Rousey the championship. And as far as evolution goes, I think that you need a legit opponent for Ronda Rousey. And currently on the Raw Women's Ross, like Ronda Rousey versus Natalia at Evolution does nothing for me. Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss in a rematch for the Raw Women's Championship doesn't have that same feel to it. There's no woman on the Raw roster. All of the good opponents for Ronda Rousey currently are on SmackDown Live, and I don't see them giving away one of those matches at Evolution. Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey, that feels like a big deal that you can put that match on top, and it doesn't even necessarily need a championship on the line if there's a personal grudge between the two women.
1: Well, you know, even more interesting, if you go that route, though, You've kind of got, uh, which we all are kind of assuming, you're going to have total faction warfare, uh, civil war, chaos going on amongst both of the horsewomen groups.
0: Yeah, because the next thing I actually wanted to talk to you about was Charlotte and Becky, not Sasha and Bailey. Um, what the hell was that? Are are we setting up that we're going to get Charlotte and Becky versus Sasha and Bailey at Evolution?
1: Uh, Could we, or or are we going to see cracks in the foundations long before that?
0: So help me God, if they turn Becky Lynch heel, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I have been on this for weeks, but man, I look at those two and Charlotte just has that resting bitch face, man. There's no reason to turn Becky Lynch heel and keep Charlotte as a baby face, especially we talked about it last week with Charlotte's size. As far as the matchups go, there's no reason Charlotte should be the babyface. She is the alpha
1: female of the, she's the queen. She you is know what? the dominant one. She's not just the queen. She is my queen. And I want to point out, you know, my precious Char Char, I, I am liking that she has uh, put on a couple LBs because, damn, she is looking quite voluptuous lately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Props to Charlotte for uh, getting those implants fixed. Holy shit. Yeah, I guess they did, They were
1: deflated because, boy, are they inflated now. Dear God, girl. Yeah, the, the right move here, of course. Uh, so WWE is going to go in the exact opposite direction. you, you got to turn Charlotte. Uh, she's so good in that heel role you can even tell it's even on the mic you know it's just not there with her when she's trying to pander to this audience
0: no she just has a condescending tone to her cadence it's not her fault that's just how she talks she has a condescending tone use it some
1: people are just assholes
0: why in the fuck did they ever turn her baby face to begin with
1: well you know you're playing off she she come off that you know the hot return she's done some uh some television stuff, there was some crossover marketing. You know, Rick had that near death experience. He had the release of the 30 for thirty, all that going on. So I could see it made sense in that time frame to play to that, but that's long gone.
0: Yeah, it was like they when they brought her back, it was just, oh, she's a babyface now. Like they never actually explained why Charlotte should be a babyface. She just is now. Kind of like the AJ Styles babyface turn. He shook hands with Shane McMahon once. And suddenly, AJ Styles was a good guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Last week, I threw your head through a car window. But yeah. <laughs> but we stole the show at WrestleMania. So we all good, bro. Oh,
0: and then Nia Jax and whatever the hell her character is. And Samoa Joe coming across as a babyface for beating up AJ Styles because AJ Styles is a terrible father.
1: You've already, I don't want to say her name. You've already mentioned uh, the lady I can't stand uh, twice. So don't say her name again. Because uh, you will Beetlejuice her, and we don't want that because she's been off television for over a month.
0: <laughs> How about Sasha and Bailey? Uh, me and the Andrew Bello, your not-so-humble host, uh, the Andrew Bello and I, we completely agree this thing has Y2AJ written all over it. Remember when uh, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho were a tag team there for all of a couple of weeks and they had special shirts made and everything and get your exclusive Y2 AJ t-shirt now because they're not going to last. That's how I feel about the boss and hug connection. Rick, what are are we building to Sasha and Bailey at Evolution? Or do you think they're going to try to keep this thing together and it's, incredibly awkward glory
1: well i think you know the difference is it i was i was kind of i was very harsh on uh wwe pr and marketing a moment ago but hey this is a this is a good move let's get some t-shirt sales let's get all them little girls and little kids that believe in the boston hug connection let's let's get them at uh 1999 a pop let's get them at 30 dollars at the live shows for this t-shirt And I actually, I would sit back and kind of judge how the marketing, what's the merchandise doing on this thing before I ultimately make a decision? Because to me, it's not exactly the same cases where Chris Jericho and AJ Styles, you know there's big money moving forward in a program and bigger things as individual stars. That's not necessarily the case with these two. Your your best move for each of them might be to just keep them together. I've actually been enjoying them as a tag team. You, You could tell that they have great chemistry with one another. Uh, they work well together. They they kind of they have that team feel. And if we really are, I know the talk has kind of cooled off on this thing about a women's tag division, I'd be okay with these two. I think that's where they're best served. I don't think there's a huge uh, huge, like need. They're not that in demand as single stars.
0: Let's talk about two other uh, ladies here uh, that's not actually on the run. I'm talking about Asuka and Carmella because I felt like both of them are now incredibly irrelevant. Asuka, of course, has not been on TV now in a couple of weeks. We were kind of thinking maybe Asuka will get added to this thing, make it a fatal four-way. That's the only way that Charlotte being involved makes any sense. But now Carmella is completely an afterthought. This program has become about Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, Carmella is by far the odd woman out. They had her on commentary this week, and I can't tell you one thing that she said.
1: Uh, I do agree. And she was looking looking pretty good. Uh, she was standing there on the table afterwards, reminding the two challengers that she is the champ. But you're right. You know, going into this match, this story is is more about uh, you know what's going to happen between the, the besties of Becky and Char-Char, Uh But. But in a storytelling, this is this is going to be their out. You know, Carmella is going to be able to escape when things break down between the friends. She's going to be able to turn them against each other, uh, and then after that, it it will be once again all eyes on Carmella because she overcame uh, these overwhelming odds. And not this, not only has she now beaten Becky in, in a high profile match, it's three wins over Charlotte. She's also got that win over Asuka. Now you, you were bringing it up before in a Roman Reigns conversation. Who next? What do you really do here with Carmella? I mean, are you gonna you know revisit the the Japanese buzzsaw in Asuka? I mean, that that doesn't have much appeal. There's no one else really on that roster, unless you know you just slingshot somebody in there.
0: Well, I talked about it last night on This Is NXT. Why the fuck is Nikki Cross still in NXT? My God, just get her on the main roster with sanity already. For the love of Christ, she was on the stage for the Evolution announcement, being crazy Nikki Cross. She was the only thing that really saved that segment for me. And then last night on NXT, she's got a random squash match. And it's like, what is she squashing people for? Just call her the fuck up already. She's just kind of wasting away. God, if you ain't got anything for her to do, have nothing for her to do on the main roster. At least it... Gives you another option. Crazy Nikki Cross doesn't give a shit about Carmella and what she looks like and who she's beaten. Crazy Nikki Cross is fantastic. So, uh, you know, Rick, I was talking when we were talking about Ronda Rousey, how I was tuned into the USA Network, and how many commercials did I see for Ronda Rousey on Monday Night Raw, and the answer was zero. By comparison, I saw Ms. and Mrs. commercials left And freaking right, USA Network is pushing the ever-loving hell out of Ms. and Mrs. Are you watching this show? I am. I'm enjoying it. Okay,
1: Um, now my question is. One of my guilty pleasures is reality television. I'll even admit, you know, every now and then, I, I don't go out of my way, but if I'm flipping around, I'll stop and watch Kardashians for a little while. Oh, you poor bastard. Uh, I watch, I'll, I'll watch the Turtle Bellas. I'll watch Turtle Divas. And I, I really enjoy this one.
0: Now, I've heard that the show is absolutely fantastic. There are zero negative reviews about it on RottenTomatoes.com, where everybody complains about everything inside of the film industry. My question is, is this going to turn the Miz babyface? Just like it did Rusev. Like, can you boo the Miz after watching that show?
1: I I think so. I was having this conversation with someone, uh, Craig Craig Horsey over and we were just going back and forth in one of the live discussions about it. And and he was worried about that. Like, wait a minute. Like, I just saw, you know, evil Miz out cutting a promo about how he's better and we and we should hate him and we shouldn't, you know, feel for him. And then they run that show right after SmackDown. To me, it kind of compliments. You know, this is the, the missus stick is, you know what? Yeah, my life is better, especially of, of Dan. My life is better than Daniel Bryan's. It's better than the fans. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father than Daniel Bryan. I'm a better father and husband than everyone. And if you need the proof, just look at my hit show. Look how great I am. You people want to be like me. So when you, in, when you present yourself in that fashion, that you, you still, sure, you know, you're, you're entertaining and you really are a great guy, Miz, but, but you still stay true to your character where you're a fucking dick.
0: I still think the Miz has worked himself into a shoot in the best sort of way possible. I mean, this whole thing started as a character and Miz acting like he was larger than life and he was a Hollywood star and he was going to be a big deal. And now as a shoot, the Miz is becoming a Hollywood star and is becoming a big deal. And I feel like Mike McZannan might be in completely over his head, but now we have the Miz and we have that little troll, Daniel Bryan. Rick, I'm so confused what in the hell is going on here because coming out of SmackDown last week, we thought for sure it's going to be The Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Then we see The Miz on Twitter. We talked about it Monday in the locker room at HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Miz says, nope, the match is not happening because he deserves a better match than Daniel Bryan. Bryan is a hack. He's not on the Miz's level. We had this whole long conversation about drawing this thing out until WrestleMania only to turn around on Tuesday and have the Miz announce, I spoke with Paige and the match is on. What the fuck is going on? The match is on. The match is off. The match is on. What the hell?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of you know, weird the directions they're going here. But you know, I, I liked where you know Miz is staying away. You know, he's off doing other projects. He's he's too good to show up for Daniel Bryan. You know, he's okay, the Hollywood lifestyle and all that. This is so ridiculous.
0: I, I- he's on the set for a reality TV show. So literally, the set is everywhere. Okay. But here's the other thing. The show hasn't been picked up for season two yet obviously it should be given the ratings that it's getting, but it hasn't been picked up for season two. What are you on the
1: set of? There's well, nothing that's... to be filming right now. No, 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 no. And I think that's the, that, that's the genius of it. It's Miz just playing this bullshit card. It, 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 it just took it me out a of the moment. Sh- no, I think, I think that was the beauty of it. That's what I loved about it. It's Miz playing to the Hollywood lifestyle obviously, dude, you're on a reality show. You don't have like green rooms and things like that. You're just, you're dodging Daniel Bryan and pretending that you, you know, that you truly, that you're on the level of like a rock. That's the great, that's the great part for me. I I I enjoyed that.
0: It's one of those things kind of like, this isn't on the run either because I didn't even see it as worth talking about. The New Day and the bar, all right? Fantastic tag team action to close out Smackdown live. And the whole goddamn thing was ruined for me by the audience chanting. We want pancakes. Why just shut the fuck up and watch the goddamn show. We want pancakes. Who the fuck says that? Enjoy. It's a good match. Just enjoy a good match. We want pancakes. Shut the fuck
1: up. It's the 85% of the WWE marks that just eat up all this nonsense garbage uh, that, that they throw out. But you know what? Who's, what am I talking about? Because don't you know they're the number one company in the world? <laughs>
0: Well, and I I feel the same way with Miz and Brian. It's like they do this stupid shit like the babies on the video screen a couple of weeks ago. Here's Miz on the set of his reality TV show that we're not filming right now because it's the biggest show in the world. We know it. It's in the can. It hasn't been renewed. Otherwise, it would be huge news. And then Daniel Bryan, the baby face, comes barging in and... Tries to beat the shit out of the heel. The psychology is all backwards. None of it makes any sense. I look forward to Miz versus Bryan at Summerslam. I'm
1: sure it's going to be a good match. But what the fuck are we doing? I think it would have been much more effectful instead of having Daniel on the attack, going to you know location and all that. Uh, it would. I think it would have been better if if it would have appeased you and it, what I thought was great. It would have. It would actually took away the subtleties of the segment of Miz just, you know, faking this thing and trying to be pretend that he is bigger. If Daniel Bryan called him out on it, like, Hey, uh, where exactly is that set? W- what did the news break that you got renewed? Uh, what are you actually
0: filming? Yeah. Treat him like a punk bitch. The way that the Miz has been treating Bryan like, for totally a decade.
1: That. And then, and then instead of, Hey, I'm going to get my hands on you. be like, okay, you know what? That match has been made. Paige has made the match. Brother, wherever you're hiding, whatever, whatever fake set you're sitting on right now, uh, trying to convince yourself that you're a real Hollywood star, you you could try, you can put on the front all you want, but you know in the back of your mind you are scared to death of Brooklyn. And after all these years, these 14 years, these eight years of just intense heat between us, I'm going to break you right here in the middle of this ring and show you. That this is my office and this is where I do it the absolute best. That would have been much more effectful than having than having Brian kind of almost look like you know, like a punk, the uh, you know, the aggressor, the bully in the situation going on set there. You ever been hit in the head with like a beer bottle or anything? No. Thankfully. That uh first of all I, I get they don't have the blood there that's why you shouldn't have that spot because you're going to be split i've gotten hit in the back of the head with a beer bottle it takes a couple stitches to close that up uh and let me tell you uh especially something like the size of that that glass vase you ain't standing right the fuck up right
0: i don't know i i when this thing started i was really liking the whole daniel Bryan. i want to punch the miz in the face i was really enjoying that angle and all i need is brian to come out and say miz it doesn't matter what you say, because in Brooklyn, I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm going to punch you in the face. That's all I need. That's all the creative that I need for this program. And it just feels like they're they're overdoing it, and they're trying to make it all soap opera-y, and it's kind of taken me out of the moment. I just want to see Daniel Bryan punch The Miz in the face. Although I have to admit, at this point, I'm kind of hoping the Miz wins.
1: Be interesting to see how the how they're going to move this thing going forward.
0: Very much agreed. Anything else that you wanted to talk about this week in the world of professional
1: wrestling, Huckleberry? Uh, the only other down thing I was on with SmackDown, and I, I'm not really feeling this going into SummerSlam. Is I, I guess we're eventually going to get this next week uh, announced for the pre-show. Uh, it's you know the rematch of rematches, the biggest rematch. Since uh, Austin Rock, and of course I'm talking about, we had uh, Vega versus Lana. And I just want to just reemphasize, Lana should not be participating in the ring.
0: And now, just today, you know what I saw today? This just fucking cracks my shit up. Today, Dave Meltzer reported that the WWE is thinking about having a mixed tag match at SummerSlam between Lana and Rusev and Zelina Vega and Andrade Cien Almas. Breaking news, Rick. Melzer said so. How long have I been fucking saying that that's what the hell that God? Oh, my God. Just sometimes I want to just...
1: I don't know. Not looking forward know. to it. And what she does in the ring, that terrible spot with Aiden English, uh, Lana just completely off on it at the end to close out that match. Uh, but everything she does inside the ring uh, just completely kills anything she's going to have going for her in, like, in a manager's role or anything else in the company. Uh, it's
0: just, and it's defining she's, down Zelina Vega. She's just not good. And Zelina Vega is. I've seen very, her work.
1: Very, very good. Uh, she's good across the entire board. Everything She has every tool that you need. To be successful, especially in a world of sports entertainment.
0: You could put her in there with Becky Lynch. You could put her in there with Oscar. You could put her in there with Charlotte. Like that girl can go, but you put her in there with Lana and my God, the Iconics are just,
1: <laughs> they're just bad too.
0: <sighs> I couldn't believe the crowd hit them with a, this is boring chant this week. Think that, uh, act as uh Warren it's welcome out. Less is more with them, and they, they can't seem to wrap their head around that. It's kind of like Samoa Joe promos. Give the dude 90 seconds, and he's gold. If you ran Samoa Joe out there for 10 minutes, it would get real old real quick, and you'd end up with Dolph Ziggler yelling all the time so annoying. So that's going to wrap things up for season two, episode 32. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of professional wrestling storytellers. Also head over to hackerhameen.podbean.com. And if that's where you're listening to us on Saturday, thank you very much for listening. Hit over to hittingthemarks.podbean.com. Subscribe to our main feed because... This is kind of just here for StarCast and All In to help us uh, try to reach a few more uh, listeners here and bump up some numbers. Also, head over to OneWrestlingVideo.com. Huckleberry is launching his new show on there. He'll have more on that in a second. Of course, you can find me over there Wednesdays on this. Is NXT. Please find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. You're going to really see us raising our presence there as we grow closer and closer to StarCast and All In because that's where all the cool kids seem to be hanging out these days. Facebook sucks, you know, Russian hackers and shit. You can also find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks or email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. How do the peeps, the freaks,
1: and the geeks Find you, huh, so I'm gonna have more details about my show, Chuck. Don't tell me what to do.
0: Okay, well, fine. Well, ser-
1: no, seriously, seriously, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have the official announcement of the premiere date uh, for my new show of, on on uh, one wrestling video on YouTube. Uh, that show is going to be this week in WWE with R.B.V. Really, it's just gonna kind of be a spinoff of you know the great program that you came accustomed to with Big Ray and myself. Uh, that was known as Smack Talk. Unfortunately. Big Ray has had a shakeup in uh, in his mark job schedule, uh, so he's not going to be available on Tuesday night. So we're going to continue to move forward. I'm going to move forward with the platform. We're going to we're going to stay live. We're going to stay interactive. I'm excited for it. We're going to bring in some new features, tweak the format a little bit. But I, I think all of uh, you know those that have supported us, and I hope they stay on board. They're going to be pleasantly surprised with what we've got. It's going to be a, a hot new show. Uh, you know, outside of that, you know, you can keep up with me day to day. On Facebook and Twitter at the Real Rbv. Uh, also on Facebook, make sure you're joining us over in the Nahami Media Discussion Group. Uh, and I'd also like to throw out there for any of our, our great entrepreneurs here in the in these just amazing United States of ours. Uh, if if you've got a business in need, you, you want to get out there, you want to be seen, especially on the digital marketing platforms. I think, then contact me. Uh, you know, drop me, drop me an email at rb at gmail. You know, look me up. Drop me a message on Facebook or on Facebook. Head on over to facebook.com backslash b.herd. That's H-E-R-D-D for all of your marketing needs. We, we want to get you out there. So, uh, you know, give us, give us consideration. I guess that's all I've got.
0: Speaking of marketing, Monday in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com, RBV and I will be there. We will be talking about the A Block Final, the B Block Final, and then, of course, the G1 Climax 28 Final. We will also still be on the road to StarCast and All In, and the match we're going to talk about, Monday in the locker room, is a big one. Kazuchika Okada versus the villain, Marty Scurll. Because, you know, I think Okada's going to be in the final of the G1 Climax. And that's how you do a segue. That's how you write a show and you piece shit together, baby. Yeah. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up! It's a classic cliché You'll be trapping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go! Come on Come on the bad guy Bad guy you oh, the bad guy Bad guy you well, the bad guy Bad guy you never Flame from that story or go no. Dwell deep down, on the so cold Can't escape the wrath I'm on my four Right trick the man with the righteous
1: is a classic cliche, you'll be trapping the blame
0: on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go! Come on. And I lied She was at home with me last night I'll be your bad (laughs) guy You know I Will be your bad guy That's right